0: Welcome to the Round Pegs, Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw, but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So, if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode 1 and don't miss a thing. As you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to our next live interview. I hope everyone's had an amazing week. I'm here today with Lee Warren. Lee's a keynote speaker on sales and persuasion. He's the author of The Busy Person's Guide to Great Presenting. Um, and he's here today to give us insights and practical tips on sales, persuasion, and presentation, essentially helping us with how we can present with confidence. Lee, awesome to have you here, mate. How are
1: you? I'm very well, thanks for asking. I'm breathing in and out in equal proportions, so all's good.
0: Good stuff, and how are, you finding, how are you finding the week of isolation at the moment?
1: Uh, well, in the UK, we are in week, um, I think it's week five, actually. Week five uh, of, of um, isolation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm thriving, actually. I'm really enjoying it. I, I enjoy um, I enjoy the, the, the time out. I've been busier than almost ever. And uh, I've got, um, without exaggeration, just over 1,200 unread books in my flat. I've always got a pile <laughs> of books. So I'm mean, I'm enjoying slowly getting through those as well.
0: Amazing, gosh, yeah, it's uh, it's finally happening here that we are having some of the rules relaxing. So, we've had a you know, our first chance to leave leave the house or the flats here today, which is quite cool. You know, long dog walks and being able to exercise outside is finally now a thing. Um, so yeah, hopefully, yeah. the UK will see that again quite soon.
1: I think um, we've been fairly lucky here, we've had a fairly gentle lockdown, actually. I mean, everyone's out for a walk every day and you know, I'm lucky and lo- I live in London but I've got a flat the size of a house and a garden so psychologically it's been qu- quite easy I think
0: yeah definitely and I, g- I guess it's often you know however however you kind of plan for it and and perceive it right one one person's lockdown is another person's you know dream if you're an introvert this is this is like a dream come true right in some ways <laughs> lots of time um, on your own
1: yeah and I think also a lot of people have been discovering that that those old categories of introvert and extrovert actually don't apply to all situations. Um, yeah. uh, so I think people are finding out a lot about themselves and um, what I've been doing every... So every morning I've had a virtual coffee with a different person. I've been in touch with peers, competitors, um, friends, and, and and so I've had a 30-minute virtual coffee every day at 9, and then um, and then a virtual drinks party in the evening with a few friends every, at 6.30 every evening. So I start the day and finish the day, and it's quite structured, and that's helped a lot as well. Amazing,
0: brilliant. Um, would you say that you're now? This is the question I keep asking people because um, it's. I, I certainly feel that I'm in touch with people more now than I was before. Would you feel that? Would you say that people are more connected now since since this kind of
1: lockdowns happened? Uh, I think there's to some extent that's true. Yes, I, I think also a lot of people are really feeling the the deep need for a genuine face to face connection. Um, mm. And, and I've seen it happen in different ways. I mean, I've got a couple of friends who are in lockdown in Spain, where it's ex- incredibly strict, and they're on yeah. their own in one-bedroom flats, you know, on floor 17. So that must be very, very tough, I think. And and they're, of course, desperate for connections, So they're on Zoom and phone calls almost every day to, to people. Um, yeah, it does, it does seem it's a bit more tiring chatting to people over, over the internet for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah 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 but but i've definitely yeah, i've 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 got back in touch with lots of people i should have made a bit more effort to be in touch with before um, and and i've had lots of requests from people getting in touch with me as well so it's
0: it's been nice awesome stuff yeah um it'd be great to dive into to what it is you're doing now just uh, just to, before we go back into your background and how you got into you know presenting and, and to get into the the kind of the top the topics i'm going to go into today just to to get a bit of a background about you know who is lee warren
1: um, and why you're doing what you're doing, and what it is you're doing these days. Um, so, which of those questions should I deal with first? What am I doing now? Um, what am I <laughs> doing what I'm now? Doing yeah. now <laughs> what I'm doing now is trying to learn every bit of technology that will enable me to still do stuff for my clients um, okay. at lightning speed. That's what almost every waking thought is focused on. So,
0: digitising your your watch, what was once a physical business into an online business, right? yeah so so
1: my uh, my my job title would be keynote speaker slash author that that would that would that's what if I, if I had any business cards that's what would be on the business card. Um, uh, I don't as a, an environmentally conscious and enlightened human being, obviously um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and and I forgot to bring them. Um, uh, but I, uh, so, so all of my work was in speech marks, the, the real world. So, so all of my clients would pay me to either turn up at conferences, walk on stages, speak into a microphone, walk off again, um, or occasionally facilitate workshops and so on. So it was all online. And, um, and then when, uh, when the severity of the crisis hit, um, I, I just had cancellation slash postponement of every single bit of my work uh on day one of the lockdown for the foreseeable future really? within about so a week all you, you of it fill up with cancellations oh I, I could i could i mean in, in real time i could see, yeah. see it coming in um and, and i'm lucky i've got good relationships with my clients so none of them were just perfunctory we're getting rid of you they're all you know we're so sorry we just don't know what's going to happen either mm. um and uh yeah so i had to, to focus very quickly on how i how i retranslate what i do for the for the virtual speech marks, virtual world. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: and would you say that you're feeling quite optimistic about this change
1: in your business? I am actually, I'm feeling very optimistic about it personally. I think there's a, it's a bit of a balance because clearly there's a lot of personal tragedy in the world um, at the moment. And I actually, in terms of my family, I'm very, very, very close to that. Um, uh, My my mum's in the highly vulnerable group. She's, she's on um, medication at the moment, so so uh, on a personal level, it's it's quite a tough thing to go through for me, and I think for many other people, and also on some commercial level, of course. I mean, there's I, th- I think this is really long term. I think anyone who thinks this is over in the near term is is probably being a bit of a Pollyanna. Um, mm. So I think I think that we're going to see some serious shifts in businesses. However anybody can grow a business in easy economic times, right? We've just seen all of my lifetime almost, we've just seen growth, growth, growth. Um, And it's really easy to grow a business under those circumstances. So I think we'll see a bit of a winnowing. I think we'll see the wheat sorted from the chaff. And in my particular business, my first reaction to all live events being cancelled was, ouch, that's going to hurt. I've got a fairly good business continuity plan in place. But Actually, what I what then very quickly happened from some k- chats I had with clients is a realization from them that they're, they're not going back to live events anytime soon, but they've still got to deliver the stuff that live events are supposed to deliver. So some of that's education. Some of that's about culture and keeping teams together and focused and doing new stuff. Some of it's about engaging well with clients. Um, a lot of my work is where clients put on an event and they invite their clients. And often they'll invite me in. So I sort of do something interesting and entertaining for their clients. Um, they've still got to do all of that sort of stuff. They've still got to keep their clients on board. And interestingly, they've still at the moment at least got the same budgets for those kinds of things. And previously those budgets would include hotels, travel, food, um, printing, all the agendas, all of that stuff. They don't have to spend anything except, you know, Wi Fi connection and, and my speaker fee. Uh, so, so so I am mm. I am optimistic about it actually.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And I, I completely agree with what you said when you said that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who think this is going to go back to normal quite quickly. Um, you know, but, but really, I, I feel like that there is a big change happening, which is one of the reasons we created F10X Academy, right? Because we wanted to help guide businesses by bringing in speakers like you, who can who can really help people with that digitization, with bringing them online um, and not have, not kind of burying their heads in the sand and, and avoiding the reality of this big change that we're going through, but accepting it with open arms and, and making sure that you're kind of there on the other side with your, with your business kind of thriving, not in spite of it, but because of it, because you, because you embraced it. Um, yeah. I feel that presenting is now super important because everything's, everything's online, everything's zoom, everything is video calling this and doing that. And, and to get a bigger audience, you need to be able to present yourself online properly. And, and I think, you know, that's a really, really interesting thing to bring to our audience. So I'm, I'm quite excited to get into um, a lot of that with you, and to dive into some of these, um, you know, these insights and practical tips. Um, in terms of everything you're teaching at the moment or going through at the moment, um, do you feel that it, that it's it's easy to present online? You know, can you present over the internet as a presenter?
1: So there, there are two different questions. Is it easy? Um, the answer to that depends on lots of different factors. Um, can you do it? Yeah, absolutely, you can. And in many ways. Um, presenting might be becoming a little bit easier for for many people, particularly once you get over the hurdle. I mean, everybody hates to see themselves in a camera and everybody hates to hear their own voice apart from professional speakers like me. We, We love the sound of our own voices but apart from that most people hate hearing how they sound and seeing how they look once once you've got over the psychological hurdle of that and i think most of us are going to get over it very quickly actually it's just going to become such a commonplace uh thing presenting online it's going to you know internally people are going to have to do it to virtual teams um in terms of engaging clients people are going to have to do it and we're going to hear more and more and more we're hearing it already but we're going to hear more and more people say well can we just can we just hop on a quick Zoom call or can I just ring my boss into this so, so he or she can hear this as well, see this as well? It's going to become more and more normal. Um, and once once uh, people have got over the slight discomfort of how they look and how they sound online, then I, I think actually there's a lot that's going to be easier about presenting. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot less physiological nerves that happen. Um, you, you'll never quite, I think, get the terror uh, of standing up in front of 500 people live in a room. Uh, online you just don't quite you do get a bit of it definitely i still do um but you don't get quite that almost debilitating gut-wrenching nerves that you do in live events so for many people it'll become easier um i think the quality of questions will get better very very quickly as well so anybody who presents regularly will be very familiar with the person who puts their hand up and says oh this isn't really a question it's more of a comment and they just <laughs> grandstand and talk. And you don't get that in in virtual chats on online so much because people are typing yeah. their questions in those grandstanders don't really have time to type their questions in, so a lot of things will become easier.
0: Really, really interesting. I, I hadn't actually thought about that. The quality of questions improving. I, I definitely say that's true. Especially if you're if you're hosting, because you can select questions. You you know you want you think would would get would would be the ones that were needed the most in the conversation. You know.
1: So well. Also, we're going to hear from the introverts for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of some of the most interesting questions I ever get are when I finish speaking and I come off stage and somebody comes up to me one-on-one and says, oh, I didn't want to ask this in front of anybody, but, and it's often a really interesting, insightful question, wow, um, you know, whereas, uh, you know, the person who puts, their always, the person who's sitting right at the front and they always put their hand up, you know, they always ask questions and they're, they're often quite banal, superficial questions, actually. Um, I mean, I've been asked things like, where did you get your jacket, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and whereas when you're presenting online the introverts that they, they, they'll type their questions into the chat bar as, as much yeah. as anybody else will so so yeah we'll get better and more interesting questions i think right so almost like a bit
0: more of an inclusive way to hold an event now isn't it because everyone's on the same level playing field yeah yeah Ab- absolutely brilliant so um okay so what would your advice be? Because I, I feel like a lot of people out there—they've got amazing ideas, amazing knowledge and wisdom within their area—but they're held back because they, for whatever reason, are too nervous to, to, you know, to present in person, let alone online. And what advice would you give someone, or what would be your main tips to help them overcome that?
1: Um, we could talk about this for days, but the main <laughs> thing is, uh, first of all, if you if you've got a great uh, message or a great service or a great product if, you, if you've got something that's genuinely going to make other people better off in some way then it's it's selfish not to be a good presenter around that message right it's it's because you because you're limiting the number of people who can be uh impacted by that product or, ser- or service or message so it's really it's a it's a really selfless act to learn to be a better presenter um and and I, i've worked with lots of uh, i mean about 70 percent of my work is speaking and then about 30 percent is running workshops around People to be, be better, at getting better at sales, or getting better at presenting their their, their messages. Um, and when I work with people in, in little workshops or one on one, over and over again, I find that, that people uh, uh, need to make that transition. That it's that it's actually selfish to keep this all for, to themselves and to say things like "I'm too nervous to present this message." Um, and then the second thing is, a lot of people think that presenting is about information, giving other people information. And if you think about it very carefully, presenting really is one of the worst ways of giving other human beings information Um, because it's it's stressful, it's time consuming, um, it's often nerve wracking. Uh, It takes a bit of effort to get people together, even online. It takes some organization to get 20 people into a Zoom call and present a message to them. People forget half of what you say. Um, They'll make judgments based on how you look and how you sound rather than on the rational nature of your argument. So presenting really is a terrible way of giving other human beings information. If you want to give people information, send them an email or, or, or make a brochure. Um, but what presenting is w- terrific for is affecting people with information, right? It's brilliant at getting people to pay attention to information or to... Um, give priority to information or believe and trust information. That's what presenting is really terrific at. And so one of the, the big shifts I always ask clients to make, and I have to make for myself over and over again in a presentation, is to, is to say to yourself, okay, what, when you're giving your audience your presentation, what, what do you actually want them to do as a result of it, rather than what do you want them to know as a result of it? Because if you say to yourself, what I want my audience to know is A, B, and C, well, you, you'll never really know whether you've achieved that goal. Right? You, can't, you can't measure it. You can't see it happening in the world. Um, and also people can learn something without being affected by it, without changing their behavior. Whereas if you if you ask yourself the question, what do you want people to do as a result of your presentation? Well, then you often come up with quite measurable, visible things that change in the real world. Um, and that can very often drive people to, to create a better presentation, to have a bit more energy in their presentation, um, and, uh, and lots of very interesting things spread out of that. So for example, uh, quite often in a sales presentation, if I'm working with somebody on a sales presentation, I might say to them, what do you want the audience to do? And they'll say things like, well, we want the audience to buy our service or buy our product. And so I say, okay, well, will they do that at the end of this one-off presentation? And they said, no, of course they won't. You couldn't do it in one presentation. Okay. So what do you actually want them to do then as a result of this presentation? And that starts to become a really interesting conversation. And the answer to that conversation will often be, well, we want them to actually to agree to a second presentation, right? Okay, well, what has to happen for the second presentation? Oh, they have to go off internally and they have to get buy-in from someone more senior. Okay, well, that's a measurable, visible goal. So, So this presentation is not about talking about how wonderful you are and it's not about selling your product. It's about convincing the people you're talking to that they should go and talk to somebody else, and to give them enough interesting phrases and ideas and visuals that they can then get enthusiastic and sell you to somebody else, and that then becomes an entirely different presentation from just we're going to walk in a room and tell people how wonderful we are.
0: Yeah, totally. And I, I, I guess for a lot of events, events companies, they're going through what they've always done, and they're not necessarily thinking about the you know the exact goal of that individual presentation, right? So that adds massive clarity. Really, really interesting. So, always go into your presentation with a goal, even if it's not to try and make a sale, or it's not to, um, to you know, to to sign up to something and pay something that day. It's it's. It, there's always a goal
1: in mind, even if it's quite a soft goal, right? Absolutely, um, because there's no such thing as a good presentation, right? There's only the right presentation for the right audience. Mm. Um, in um in in my book, uh, my um uh, my award winning international best selling book, um I. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd like. A, um, <laughs> all the chances that you'd have it right there? <laughs> I, can't, I can't. get rid of them. I've got thousands in this um, oh, <laughs> <he, he, he laughs> room. Uh, what I what I what I tried to do is is lay out. Um, so the the title of the book is the Busy Person's Guide to Great Presenting, and the reason I gave it that title is that most of most people who have to present, so whether that's people internally at corporates or business owners, most of us don't actually have a lot of time to give to to presenting, um, and because we don't have a lot of time to give to it, we can often devalue its importance. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas frequently, and particularly with business owners, if you ask business owners where their work comes from. Over and over again, people say it comes from personal contacts, a one-to-one connection, being in a room with other people, being able to get a message across. It's it's that's much more likely, or you know, and now in our digital age, from video, mm. from from getting a message across on video, that's much more likely to be true than oh, we put something up on a billboard and somebody wrote our phone number down on a motorway and, and phoned us mm. cold. Um And so what I tried to do was to to break the structure down so that it would be really quick and easy for people to get much better presentations. And the goal is is the very first chapter when we start talking about the structure is is getting clarity on that goal because it really shifts how you perceive presenting. And it it shifts your your efficiency as well, because once you've got the goal clear, then everything else in your presentation can be shaped by the goal. So, you know, you say, well, should I use slides or not? Well, what's the goal? Right. How long should my presentation be? What's the goal? Um, should I bring somebody else in? What's the goal, right? I mean, every, everything gets answered by that question.
0: Wow, brilliant! Yeah, really, really interesting. So the next, the next, the next,
1: um, the next step or the next tip. Um, so there's a little acronym around which I built the book, and that's MAP. M A P. So I wanted it to be a map for great presenting. So the M stands for message, uh, and although it may sound a bit banal, you, you've got to have you've got to have real clarity on what your message is. And the message um, is for the audience, not for you. Hmm. And a lot of presenters, what a lot of presenters do is they make the mistake of saying, what do I want to say? And what's the best way to say that? And great presenters say, what does the audience need to hear to get a result? And how do I say that? Right, or yeah, how do I present yeah. that? Um, and it's 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 a sort of 180 degree way round of looking at presenting. Um, and everybody watching this or listening to this will have seen many presentations where the message just wasn't relevant, seemed a waste of time, wasn't clear, wasn't focused. Um, so you've got to get real clarity around the message and why the message is right for the specific audience that you're presenting to. Um, totally. So the A of map is the audience. Um, and, uh, and so the, the, the very quick tip is you've got to mentally get to know your audience as, as deeply as you can. You've got to really understand their world, what's on their minds, what their priorities and their needs are. And you've got to keep speaking to that, you know, that famous thought bubble. What, what's in this for me that's hovering above their heads? Um, but also you've got to think in terms of uh, all sorts of geographical things, like sometimes time of day that you're getting a message across to people will affect their, how they perceive it. So when you're, particularly if you're in a business situation where, for example, a client has said, you know, can you can you present to us online? If you're presenting at nine o'clock in the morning, people tend to be a bit more awake. They tend to be a bit readier for content-heavy stuff. Whereas the later in the day it gets, the, the, the more tired people get conceptually, the more st- they start thinking about other stuff. So if you're presenting four or five o'clock in the afternoon, your your stuff has to be much less data-heavy, much lighter in tone, much easier to understand. Um, uh, so, so the more you can understand the audience, the real world they're in, what's going on for them, the, the better your presentation will be. And then the P is, is, is about the presenter. So obviously you've got to look and sound as good as you, um, as good as you can. And that's a very new, that we're all learning new ways of doing that online at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It,
0: it sort of strikes me that, you know, the message is so important and, and the way you articulate your message and the way, you know, your customer or your clients is that, that's so key, right? Um, and I, and I think it's very easy to to you know to plough all of your time, effort, energy, and money into a you know an incredible video or an incredible piece of content. But if the message isn't clear and you can't articulate your message properly, or you can't present it in the right way, which is engaging, then you know it's 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 no good, right? But it, but if you just grab your phone and you're able to to articulate your message perfectly, present it perfectly, and speak directly to your clients or your the people watching, meaning where they're at, it's going to be such a a powerful piece of content,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I um, uh, two two of my clients are two of the big four consultancy firms, global consultancy firms, uh, accountancy, uh, you know, professional services firms, and um, and I was introduced to a third of those four by word of mouth, and it was a big deal for me. I run, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at the international headquarters of my business, um, so it's, it's it's me and a bit of paper behind me, um, and um, and. Uh, so I took this very seriously. It's a big deal for me, and I, I, I got a meeting um, with, and it was a part, excuse me, a partner of the firm I was introduced to, and we arranged a meeting. We got a sales meeting together, and I went along. and I was very aware. The introduction was: this person will never use you himself directly, but if he likes you and is happy to recommend you internally, it'll be a shoe in into the business. So you know, take this meeting seriously. So I went along and I had a sort of sales presentation prepared um, and I arrived at the building and and I, I didn't know when you arrived there, if you're meeting a partner, they assume you're a client. So they treat you incredibly well and there's <laughs> no, you don't have to sign a form. You don't have to get a badge, nothing there, There's someone standing up waiting for me. Right. Um, and I said, oh, hi, I'm here to meet so-and-so. And she all oh, Mr. Warren, please come through. And she picked up the phone and phoned this guy. And I was 20 minutes early because I was ready to you know do all the sign in and have to sit in a chair. And she phoned this guy and I heard him bark down the phone. Uh, He's 20 minutes early. And then he put the phone down. <laughs> so it wasn't a great start to a, you know, yeah. a health meeting. <laughs> and I got taken into the coffee lounge and I sat there and I was there for about 10 minutes. So I'm still 10 minutes early. And the person running the coffee lounge, she came over and she said, oh, just remind me who you're waiting for. And I told her and she went back to her phone, picked her phone up and said to him, oh, just so you know, Mr. Warren's been waiting for 10 minutes. Right. Mm. So th- this sounds like I'm really hassling for this meeting. I'm still <laughs> 10 minutes early. Anyway, I got a message back from him and said he sends his apologies. He's going to be uh, running a few minutes late. I said, of course, fine, don't worry. Anyway, I took that time to get real, try and get real clarity for myself. I, I I knew I had a fairly decent message anyway, but I asked myself that question. What do I want this person to do as a result of this presentation? And the answer was simply, I want this person to know enough about me that they can recommend me, that he can recommend me internally. And so when he eventually arrived, he looked a bit stressed and he didn't really want to meet me. You know, and we went into a meeting room and he said and he was quite tense. And he sort of folded his arms. You know, and he said, OK, what what have you got for me then? Um, and this was now about 20 minutes into our meeting time. So he was running 20 minutes late in his day. He said, what have you got for me? And, and I said, well, look, I've got a, a presentation I could I could talk you through and I've got some brochures I can show you. Um, but fundamentally, a, a good result for me would be you, 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 you're happy enough knowing about me that you're able to refer me to people internally. Um, and this guy sort of visibly melted and he, he said, is that it? And I said, yeah, that's it. That would be brilliant for me. And he said, all oh, right. Okay. So, well, I've looked at your website. Tell me about a couple of um, our competitors you work with. What sort of things do you do for them? And we chatted for about 10 minutes. And at the end of that 10 minutes, he, uh, he said, um, okay, yeah, that sounds great. I'll get my EA to send you some names with my blessing. And, um, would you like a coffee? Right. Um, so this guy who had been 20 minutes late, didn't want to meet me was now, he had nearly half an hour of his day back. Yeah. because we'd have this really quick 10 minute chat. Would you like a coffee? Um, I'm not completely stupid. So I said, no, I've had one. I'm fine. I'll get out of the, get out of the room. Um, and I'm, yeah. that, that company is still a client to this day. Um, oh, amazing. And, and so, sorry, it's a quite a long story, but the point I'm making is having some clarity around the message of what you want, what the actual audience to do can, mm. can really help in all sorts of ways. Because if I'd gone into that meeting and tried to do my one hour sales presentation, in 40 minutes to someone who didn't really want to be there anyway. It would have been a, an absolute car crash.
0: Yeah, totally. So just, just having absolute clarity on what it is you want to achieve from the presentation, no matter how big the presentation is or how small the presentation is. I mean, even, even on a one-to-one situation, you're still presenting, right? And yeah, knowing, I, knowing I,
1: your audience. Absolutely you are. And when I use the word audience, I mean, I'm talking about potentially one person in a room, one person at the end of a Zoom call, 500 mm. people at the end of a WebEx. It, 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 it's, it's other human beings. Um, and uh, you used the word engaging earlier. and I think that's quite an important word in presenting. Um, but again, it's, it's very context dependent. So for example, if you, I think if you asked 100 people, many people would agree that the Apple presentations, particularly in the Steve Jobs era, were probably among the best corporate presentations ever. Um, uh, but they were only good because they were right for that audience, right? Yeah. And that audience is a really up for it, energetic, tech savvy, Apple hungry audience. If Steve Jobs had done those presentations to three 80-year-olds, right, he would have looked mm. insane, and it wouldn't have been engaging at all. It wouldn't have been an engaging presentation. Yeah. It would have been exactly the same. So, so context and timing and everything, right? You've really got to tailor it for, for, for the for the audience. And one of the biggest mistakes I've seen a lot of people make in, in presenting, and if we talk about presenting in this real sense, which is sort of live engagement with with an audience. When I say live, I mean, it can be virtual like this, but they're there in real time. One of the biggest mistakes presenters make is they, they sort of assume that because the presentation is important for them, because it's quite a big thing, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you know you've got to present to your team or you've got to present to your client, it's quite a big thing for you. It's on your mind quite a lot. It's really easy to assume that it's a big thing for your audience as well. Whereas in fact, no, nothing could be further from the truth. Your audience, usually, they, they, they honestly, they're just, they're just not that interested in you, mm-hmm. and 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 they're you know they're doing something else, and and then they get a reminder in their phone. Oh, I'm supposed to be in this Zoom room for a presentation, and as they come to your presentation, they're still thinking about what they were doing previously. And five minutes before the end of your presentation, they start thinking about what they've got to do next. So it's 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 our job as presenters to, to really understand that to really understand that. The audience, they're not blank heads waiting to be filled with information. They're quite the opposite. They're really busy heads. And it's mm. your job as a presenter to make some space in that uh, uh, brain, right? To, to let them give you mental permission for your main message to land. So so another tip I would give would be always don't, don't start with your main message, but start with something. I, I call it a hook. Many presenters call it a hook. Start with something that really hooks people's attention that tells them they should be. So your video at the start of this is a hook. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's no real content in that. There's no real information. It just sort of says, "Get yourself ready. Something's coming. Right. Yeah. Pay attention now." Um. And and if we'd start if we'd started this uh, chat now with with a with a tip right at the beginning, half mm-hmm. the audience wouldn't have heard it. The other half wouldn't have known yet. Should we believe this or not? Is it credible? Um, yeah. So it's always always give your audience a bit of time to sort of free their minds for your message. Okay. okay cool. So so start with the hook. The next the next step after hook would be. Um, break your message down into its three overriding themes, three uh, uh, main points. There's a really strong argument in human psychology for three as a way of thinking and presenting in general. Three threes are a very comfortable number. Um, it sounds big enough to be substantial, but not so big that I, it's going to be difficult for me to follow your thoughts. Um, so, you know, past, present, future where we were, where we are today, what we need to do in, as, into 2021. Um, uh, uh, this is what we've won. This is what we've lost. This is what we need to gain, right? If you can break your message down into three overriding categories, mm. it's really good message discipline for you. Uh, it makes it very easy to remember your presentation. So if all the tech fails, mm. if your notes fall on the floor, you, you know roughly where you are in, in the thread of that that presentation. And then what I try and do in my own presenting, and I often recommend this to others, is to make sure that for each of those three points, you've got um, a story or an anecdote, you've got a piece of data or a piece of real evidence, and that you've got something that tells the audience why the point is relevant to them. Yeah. All right. So, for example, I told you my story about meeting the the management consultant. If, If I was doing a big official presentation, I would possibly follow that up with, I'm making this up, but some bit of research, I might say um, 74% of people who had a clear goal actually achieve their sales targets, right? I might make that up. So I'd follow that with a bit of data hmm. um, and then uh, and then the data, I use the word sales. So if it was a sales audience, I, I talk about sales. So it's obviously relevant to the audience. If it was a, a marketing audience, I might choose a bit of data that's relevant to marketing to make sure that it's relevant for the, for the, for the audience. Um, there's something really lovely about threes. Uh, also, when you tell an audience, we're going to cover three main points today. Mm. Audiences relax mentally because what 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 they're hearing is, I don't need to work very hard at this. You've done, you're the presenter. You've done the work for me. You've made this easy for me. And therefore I'll, I'll give you some of my time and attention because it's not going to cost me very much. And it's not going to be hard work mentally. Yeah. Um, presenters, who, presenters who don't have... Or appear not to have any sort of structure to the presentation, or um, it just seems to be a sort of garbled stream of facts. Switch audiences off very very quickly because audiences think this is hard work. I've, this is hard work. I've, I've got to make an effort to find out why this is useful and relevant to me, and they they won't do that work for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely right. I think um, I think for, for me personally, a lot of a lot of my presenting. Has been in the form of videos, really. So when I when I look back, you know, I've been working with, with Tim and F10 and F10X for, for about eight years now, probably even longer. Um, and these guys have been doing, doing all of my content. Um, and I probably do more presenting to camera on videos for social media content, all that sort of stuff, than I have on than I have on stage, right? And I think you just you kind of get used to doing a certain type of presenting to a you know to a certain to a certain audience. And I, I think the benefit of that for me. Has been the ability to, to watch it back and make corrections. Yeah. And if we, if, you, yeah. if you, and it's such a good tool. I mean, we use it in martial arts all the time. Like right? we film ourselves doing something, and then we you find the smallest changes. I mean, I think Nancy was watching. or she, she may still be watching this now. Um. But she's she's a confidence coach and present and presentation coach as well. Um. And and I was doing a lot of workshops recently, but we're using the same the same technique. You know, after ten, we're filming it, and then we were going through it and just trying to make you know two percent of changes. So would you, would you say that you know filming? you're presenting is a great way to not only boost your confidence, but also really start to develop your technique.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I I believe that a lot of confidence comes from technique, really. Um, uh, uh, Technique and preparation will make almost anybody more confident. Um, And it's interesting. I mean, I've had to, in, in this, you know, launching into this totally virtual world where I always knew in my business things would become more and more virtual gradually. I had no idea that there would literally someone would pull the switch one day and and it would totally change. So I've had to, in many ways, relearn my craft of speaking for a virtual world. Mm. Um, I've done a lot of stuff directly to camera, but I've never done stuff to camera when there's been nobody else around at all, as as at the moment. So there's always been a cameraman or a producer or a director. And even then, you're getting a little bit of live feedback, a little bit of live calibration. something you can kind of bounce off, the energy you're going to use in the room, right? absolutely absolutely um and it's why i've been doing some stuff with clients at the moment on presentations online and for nearly all of them i've asked them to get one or two other people in with them because it's really hard um, unless you're a skilled broadcaster and you've done this Mm. a lot it's really hard for an individual certainly in a presentation where they're just giving a message out to to keep the energy going it's it's it's, it's, once you get someone else in the energy just increases instantly because you've got something to bounce off so one of the things i've been doing in my own presenting. Is I've been recording everything I've been doing online and particularly recording and trying to do it with apps where I can see a lot of the audience. So Zoom's very good for that. And then I've been watching the, the presentations back, but not watching myself so much as watching how the audience react to what I'm doing, um, because. A few things have become very obvious. So, for example, jokes don't work online. They just don't work. Yeah. Um, hum- humour does. Humour still works. That out the wrong way. I found <laughs> that out way. the hard way. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, I've been I a performer all, all my life, so I'm, I've got I've got fairly decent performing instincts. I know what it's like to walk on stage and get an audience on side. But yeah. the virtual world of performing is is totally different. Um, so humour uh, Sorry, humour works, but jokes don't. Um, and also. Um, in my speech marks, real world presenting, I find it very easy to engage with people individually. And I'll, I'll often mm. ask people, in, even in a big audience, I'll often, and I've got some fairly humorous things to do with an individual in the audience that's not threatening or intimidating, it's just fun and everybody likes it. Not online they don't, um, because it, it it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work Thanks at all. It, it, yeah. it, it feels like you're bullying someone. Yeah, This is something I've got to be quite
0: careful with, because whenever I'm, whenever I'm doing a, a workshop or I'm on stage, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I try and inject humor into quite a bit of what I do. I think it's just natural, maybe just my personality coming out. Once I once I've got over the fact that I'm relaxed and I'm in kind of in a flow, right, I just start to you know bounce humor off with the audience. But when you start to bring that online, it just feels like you've got a very tough crowd. And I and I and I completely agree, right? It can it can come across as if you're almost alienating people if you if you're doing yeah. it the wrong way,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. And that was true in the real world as well. It's tough. It's tougher online. The, the closest thing I can compare it to is doing um, a live keynote to an international audience where much of it is being interpreted for them. Mm. Um, and those all, all keynote speakers will say the same. I think most keynote speakers find those the most difficult gigs of all to do because you've got yeah. this weird thing. You, you sort of say something and whether it's humorous or whether it's very profound or whatever you get this sort of weird wave that goes through an audience where some people react instantly and then some people about seven seconds later and then some half a minute later. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the things all keynote speakers have to get good at doing, is, is dealing with that kind of energy. And being online is the closest. But sorry, to come back to your original point of is it good to record yourself? I think it absolutely is. Mm. But with one caveat, which is present that presenting is not... Y- your presentation is not for you. So don't, it's, it's always for the audience. So don't get too hung up about your style, if you like, because most audiences yeah. don't care very much about your style. They care about whether what you've got is very good for them. Mm. And, and 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 in fact, in, in much of the world, we reserve a particular kind of contempt for people who are very slick in their performing style, mm. but the message is not is not good. The message is bad. Yeah. Um, mess- right, we don't the like those way. people. So we'd much, we'd much rather, I mean, if you, if you had to put it as extremes, we'd much rather deal with someone who's a bit unconfident and the lighting isn't quite right, but what they've got to say is so pertinent and so relevant to our world that we can't help but be carried along. Most of us would much rather go for that presenter. So I, I think it's right to watch yourself back, but don't get too hung up on yourself. Keep thinking about, mm-hmm. is it right for the audience? That's why I watch the audience's faces uh, rather than mine to coach myself.
0: Very interesting. I- yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you with that. And I, and I think it just makes the speaker look more relatable and, you know, they can kind of relate to them because, because they're not highly polished all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, a, I mean, obviously you've got to do your best as a speaker to, to come across professionally, but, but, you know, like, like, like these, like these interviews, right? They're, they're raw, but real. And hopefully that makes them pretty authentic. I mean, now and again, the mic cuts out, the video cuts out, but, um, the message and the content, it's, it's from amazing people like yourself. So, you know, for me, I, I think that's really important. I think people people gravitate towards that. Do you know what I mean? Especially now, at, yeah. the, at this time, when people want that kind of connection. They don't want something which seems too distant. They want
1: something which seems real, you know? I totally agree with that. I, absolutely, they do. And also, what does the word professional mean? Um, mm. you, you know, because when you, when you say that doesn't look professional... Uh, it, it it can mean sometimes that doesn't look credible in its own space or it doesn't look like it's worth spending money on, but sometimes it can just mean it doesn't look slick. It doesn't, it it doesn't look like you've sent, you know, you, you, you've got an actor to do your voiceover and you've sent it off to some studio and. And as you say, quite often, I mean, most of us are not in the business where we need to look like a car commercial or even should look like a car commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in fact, many car commercials put people off because <laughs> they're, <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you know, they're just sort of so slick and unreal that they don't, they don't really um, uh, yeah. uh, get people to relate to them. It was, it was really interesting what you said
0: um, as well about the audience is thinking about how you can help them. I think one of the one of the things I just get quite nervous with public speaking until until I just did it over and over and over again. And I think um, one of the things that really helped me was I read somewhere or someone said to me at some point, um, you know, the reason you're nervous and, and let's face it, you know, nerves. And, and the whole idea of getting nervous when you're public speaking is like a deep rooted primal fear of social rejection, right? And people say it's it's scarier than death, you know, they, they'd much rather die than have the social rejection on public speaking. But, but really, if you can convince yourself that this is nothing to do with you, and it's only about the impact you can make to the audience or the person in front of you, and you make your whole message just about giving value, um I think it makes it so much easier to put yourself out there, you know, especially online where you've got, you know, faceless people on on you know, keyboard warriors and trolls. And and I think, you know, you just sort of you sort of you sort of avoid getting hurt by that if you, yeah, yeah. if you feel it's all about giving value, right? How can you yeah. be hurt
1: by that? Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. And also, you know, whatever you do in life, some people are gonna dislike you for it, right? I mean, I mean if I if I if I leave my flat and walk to the shop, someone's going to hate me between here and walking to the shop, right? So mm. someone's going to look out of a window and think, why is he wearing that? Or why is he out for a walk? Do you, do you know what I mean? You can't even go for a walk yeah. without someone disliking liking you. <laughs> um, but, but also, you're, you're right. that Where nerves come from, I think the other thing is, I think it's quite important not to lie to yourself when you're presenting to try and cure nerves because you can, you can sort of, you don't want to suppress them because nerves mm. are... Actually, a very natural and they can be a very enabling thing. And so one of the things I find most useful, I do this myself and I I go through it with all my clients, is to have a little uh, I call it a a 30-second warm-up. It's just a little mini ritual to get you into the right psychological and physiological place to present. Um, And the first part of that is to say to yourself, I'm feeling nervous. And then to Mm. name it, to name how it's manifesting itself. So that may be, oh, my hands are shaking. Or my throat feels really dry, or my heart's beating fast. And the minute you say it out loud, it slightly takes the edge off it, right? Really? So, sort of, sort of saying to yourself, "I shouldn't be feeling like this. I should be feeling ready to go." It can often make the nerves worse. So it's acknowledging wow. them. And then the other thing is to to them um, have a phrase I use for myself always. I always say out loud that there, there probably isn't a tiger in the room um, because yeah. th- this is what your body's getting you ready for, right? It's it's. Mm. I mean, mammals one of the things all mammals do is they move in groups <laughs> it's 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 older than human beings to to be part mm-hmm. of the pack and so the minute you step out of the pack and you sort of get everyone to turn around and look at you, <laughs> you you know your whole body's saying well what's behind me what what are they looking at what do they know that i don't and and if a tiger's there it's going to get me before it gets them so and that's why my heart's beating it's getting me ready to run and that's why i've got blood in my face because it's um. You. You know. Um. Uh, the, the, sorry. That's why I'm. I'm shaking because it's because of the adrenaline, and blood's mm. moving around to protect my. 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 My internal organs. Um. And the minute you say out loud, there probably isn't a tiger in the room. It's sort of again. It just slightly, slightly takes the edge off it. It slightly um, puts it into perspective. I suppose. You know. It's just a presentation. You're not going to get yeah. eaten. No one's going to die. Um. And then uh, I get clients to do a couple of things. Um. So one is to uh, do a little gentle M sound uh, because breathing is is quite important these days apparently. Um, so uh, uh, like you're sort of sinking into a hot warm bath, um, and uh, so it's, mm, like a little gentle M, um, not when anybody else is around, do, do it privately. <laughs> uh, but what it does, it doesn't. It does <laughs> two two things. It's quite a reassuring sound. So it's sort of psychologically quite calming. But also, what it does is it makes your it sort of wakes your voice up a bit, makes your voice a bit more resonant. Um, yeah. People who are good presenters tend to sound quite authoritative; they tend to sound quite resonant. Their voices. Um, people who are nervous and tense, their voice isn't so resonant. So, you just want a bit of resonance, a bit of uh, warmth at the front of your face. And um, and uh, and then I always get um, I always do it myself. I get people to say the first line of what they were about to say out loud, uh, because you, you want to do that before you start presenting. So, just before you go live mm-hmm. online. Um, just say out loud, "Good afternoon, everybody." Thanks for tuning in today. Whatever it is, because you don't want to start with a "Good afternoon, everybody." Thank for tuning in today. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: the worst nightmare, right? To start with a, as, to sound as if your voice is breaking on your first line, or the,
1: start with a bit of a squeak or something. Be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and partly because it makes you feel bad, but also because it sort of reduces your credibility for the audience, and you've then got to do a lot yeah. of work to get that credibility back.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, completely with you. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting when you it's it's basically anchoring, right? What what you're talking about with these different things that you're you ask your clients to do. One of the things I used to do, I used to base jump a lot, and I was jumping off cliffs with parachutes and that sort of stuff. And I had an amazing mentor who, who used to say to me, you know, you know, while while we were on the ground, before we were on the mountain, to stand on one leg um, and to slow my breathing down. And if I could do it on the ground. I could do it on the edge of the of a three thousand foot cliff where my knees are shaking and I literally can't control my my breathing to stand on one foot and slow your breathing down. And suddenly, you know you feel like you've got control of your body, you feel like you've got control of your your senses, and that breathing does just slow down everything. Um, yeah, and, and even if you feel that during a talk, I find that if you just pause for a moment, not not for too long, so it looks a bit creepy, but if you pause for a moment and you know have a big breath and slow your breathing down, you know it, it almost looks like it's it's kind of part of the plan right and it's it gives that kind of authoritative moment of pause which shows everyone you're in control of this
1: yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, and um, and what I do, and what a lot of presenters do, and, and in fact I do it on virtually as well. is Always have a drink with me. Always, always. always. Not that's not that's not um, uh, an alcoholic drink in there. It's coffee. That's not what you um, told me. <laughs> 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 coffee or, or water. Um, and a real pro tip is have it in a. This is my own branded reusable mug, actually. But have yeah. it in. Um, have a have a lid on it. Let's so can show us. Can you, or us, or can you yeah. show us the branded? Yeah, look, they look good, don't they? This is a slightly knackered one because it's been in the <laughs> okay, wash, up a lot. Um, <laughs> but the point is, but the point, the serious point is, have a lid on it or do it in a sports bottle, so you don't, you're not going to spill it on yourself. Yeah, but the main good. reason for having um, it is you want to stay hydrated, but also it forces you to pause, to, to pause, right? Yeah, so you, you ruined it. You ruined my pause. You couldn't <laughs> hold it. Um, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it does, and so um, it's it's a good thing to do because it forces you occasionally. To, to slow down, to take a breath. Yeah. Um, and that can be quite a calming thing to do, exactly as you say. Yeah, definitely. I,
0: that's one of the things Tim Tim would often say to me or, or Nancy on here when they see me do a workshop. Sometimes I'm like, you know, really speaking so fast, getting so much out there. And I sent it to one of my friends and they said, is this is this sped up? You know, it lo- it literally looked like it was twice the speed. So one of the things I was working on with presenting was slowing everything down, right? And, and it's funny, yeah. sometimes... Uh, the less words you say the more people listen and it's it's like the words become more valuable because you're using less of them
1: yes there, there, there's a wonderful fake um ted talk have you ever seen it about how to do a ted talk oh no, uh, I haven't, no. it's great it's a wonderful pastiche and um and, and one of the phrases he uses is something like he, ba- he basically the, the exact words are something like what i'm saying is banal but saying it slowly makes it profound it I think that is true but but again I think I think what a lot uh, the mistake a lot of presenters make is is they think if they change their style they'll become a better presenter right mm. and, and so little so little of presenting is about your style. Because your style comes from who you are and what your message is, um, and and the best way to become a better presenter is to get a better message and to make it more relevant to the audience. And I've seen I've seen loads and loads of people. In fact, the majority of people I think who who say I want to be a better presenter, and I often say, what does that mean to you? And they'll always say things like voice and body language and eye contact and things like that. But those things really are the icing on the cake. They're not unimportant, but they they are they are the least important things in uh, having a great presentation. Um, and, um, uh, you you can watch many people who have got really, you know, life-changing messages sometimes, or just brilliant, interesting, uh, uh, business messages who they're not, they're not that great. They, they get things wrong. They stumble, they speak too fast. They forget what they were going to say, but because the message is right, and because it affects you as an audience member, they're, they're great presenters. Um, so I, I, I quite often encourage people not to, not to get hung up too much on style. You, you, you need, you need the substance. Yeah, definitely, and and I, and I guess you know your 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 style
0: and your personality is what makes it kind of unique and and what makes you relatable and people attracted to you, you know, in your talk in the in the first place, really. We've got a um, we've got a bunch of questions here, guys. If you've got any questions no. at all, feel free to to type them in. If you look on the right hand side, Lee, you should be able to see all these questions coming in. I see That's none at all. Cool. Um, you see none. You talk, I, I thought, I
1: thought we were all alone. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> do I need to click anything? I see, uh, well, hang on, maybe do I, do I click on it? Oh, right, nice me, me, I can take, I can take care of it. Don't worry about I, it. So, um, <laughs> no, I,
0: I see it. I see it. Yes. So we've got all sorts of stuff coming in. Wow. That's interesting. And um, you have to bring your personality to differentiate yourself, uh, real and relatable. And um, so, true, I always get caught up on the details. Uh, me too, Stuart. Any tips on uh, camera confidence is great. So, so camera confidence in particular.
1: Yeah. So, so, the, the first thing is you have to do this sort of pre-work if you like you, you know you have to prepare and plan and th- and then you present uh, and, and so the pre-work is really um it's it, it's it's sort of a subset of the, the the message all business owners get told again and again and again you've, you've got to understand your niche you've got to understand your message you've got to know why it's right it's it's the same kind of thinking so you've got to do that first um I think and then then you know let's assume you've done that let's assume you're turning up in front of a camera and that's your webcam on your desk or you're going into a studio there are a few other things you you, you can do. Um, it's a bit different if you're live or if you're recording to a camera. Um, so let's assume what perhaps for many is the, is the most stressful, tense situation, which is which is going live. So in other words, you can't take it back. You can't can't re-record. Um, first of all, you've got to stay uh, with the lens. All right? That, that's 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 one of the things that will 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 make you um, in contact with the audience. Will 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 help an audience to like you. If I'm if I'm presenting and looking at myself, which I'm doing now in in the webcam. It looks to most audience members probably like I've sort of, I'm not now in contact with with you as a as a presenter. Um, whereas now if I've got this uh, right, I don't know what this software does. Um, is that right Seb, do I look like I'm looking at you now? Yeah, the yeah. second so you look at the lens, yeah. if if I, yeah. if I look at the lens right now, I'm looking directly at you, right? Yeah, exactly that. Um, and and far too many. Uh, and, and also what happens then is you you sort of feel it's a funny thing to describe. You feel like you're much more in contact with the audience. So that can help you feel a bit more confident in order to do that. What a lot of people do um, is they stick something next to the lens. So a little post-it with a smiley face on it or something like that um, or any any picture that you like. Uh, and I've, I've seen some really outlandish things in, <laughs> in broadcast studios stuck next to the lens. Um, but anything that sort of puts a smile on your face will help you a, a little bit. The next thing is I don't recommend generally scripting things. It's, it's, you, it's very, very rare that anybody can learn a script and come across really well with a script. However, on camera, you might want to learn the first 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds of what you're going to do on camera because you want to get yourself off to a really, really good start and so that first 30 seconds can be really simple it can be something like good afternoon everybody my name is lee i'm really happy you're joining me here today i've got my guest seb seb over to you you know even if it's really simple like that uh, because you're you're the fact that you know that's ready to go the fact that you know you exactly what you're going to say can give you a bit of confidence mm. then of course say that a bit like i mentioned with the, the mini ritual earlier say that a few times before you start so in other words don't wait until the camera lights on to to start get yourself warmed up a bit Um, I mentioned the 30-second warm-up, so that's just doing a little bit with with your voice, make sure your voice is ready to go. People do all sorts of things, and what, uh, what suits one person doesn't suit another. But basically, you want to do something so you're sort of physically warmed up a bit. So that might be, you know, if you've got a martial arts thing, that might be something like that. The secret of this is it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you do something, because it just puts you in a different psychological, physiological space, if you speak to any professional performer, they'll all tell you they've got their own ritual. So some of them sort of walk around a bit mumbling. Some of them jump up and down. Some of them stroke a curtain at the side of a, 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 a stage. Um, so have a little ritual that gets you into the space. And then the last thing is, uh, and I do this a lot, a lot of people do this, is uh, present in your mind to to one person. And this one person is someone who needs to hear what you have to say, and they're loving every second of it. All right, just present to one person. Don't try and present to 100 people in your mind because you'll mm. get really nervous about that or more nervous and your messages and your way of speaking will become a lot more bland. You're speaking to, speak to your biggest fan, basically, mm. this person, he or she. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's, I mean, that's, in, that, in those two minutes, I think I've learned an awful lot, you know, lots of amazing tips there for presenting to camera. Thank you very much for that. Um, let's see if there's any more uh, questions here, guys. Um, We've got Haile and Sebastian Mates. Do you have any tips about how to be confident in front of the camera? Um, I suppose we just covered that one with loads of tips there. Um, Great tip, with not starting with your main message. I'm just going back to some of the early ones. Regarding timing, are there certain days and times of the day uh, that reach a greater audience? Uh, Given that many people are at home right now, how would you change timing as people hopefully start getting back to
1: working life? That that's that's a great question actually, and and the honest answer is I don't know yet um, because I think we're all, and of course none of us know how long these these versions of social isolation and I I don't think you know permanent lockdown is going to be in place for very long, but it's very likely mm. we'll have social isolation in place for a long time. Certainly, lots of p- people are going to work from home much more. We're going to see many more sort of virtual activities. So I think all of us are finding our way to those routines, and I think it's it's probably too early. To say what are the best times of day, I can tell you what my instinct is at the moment, based on uh, you know our five weeks of of this new form of life, which is that late morning and early afternoon seem to be really good times. So anything around sort of eleven in the morning or three in the afternoon seems to work quite well. Um, my guess, and this is just a guess, and I, I might be you know in three months' time I might have a different opinion. My guess is that those are the times of days when people have sort of done their serious work. And, they, and they, they they quite welcome either a bit of a break or a change of scene or something. So I think a lot of people are getting to their desks at 9, 9.30. They, you know, they work in a corporate or something. Um, getting a bit of getting their emails done for an hour or so. And then 11. Okay, it's, I, I've got a bit of attention now for a presentation. Um, similar thing at three. People come back from lunch about two. They get a bit of an, an hour's work done and then they're ready. That's my guess as to why that's happening um as to time of day to reach people in other ways um many of you will know there's there's an organization called sprout social they're they are sort of one of the many online um uh companies who who will help you do your social media but they've done some really really good research on different forms of social media and the different times of day that get the best interaction and they've split it up across linkedin facebook instagram so it's worth looking up their research because it's really in depth it's it's very good Great um, tip. I can't remember Sprout, off the top of my head. Sprout Social. Um, Sprout Social. Um, yeah. Great tip. Sprout like the vegetable social. If you type in there, I mean, they've got loads of research. Of course, they always want to sell you their software, but the research is really good. Mm, brilliant advice. Um, got a quick question here. Um,
0: I see you have a solid color background.
1: How essential is that when presenting? It's it's not essential at all. It's a great question. And I I, I did this deliberately for today. Um because uh, I wanted um, uh, your your viewers to see the impact of a solid background. I think again, it comes back to this question of how do you affect the audience? How are you affecting the audience? What what reaction do you want to get behind this solid background? Is my bookcase? Um, I'll, well, I'll show you because um, I can I can just lift this paper up. I don't know if you can see it. Um, if I roll it up. Here we go. Give me one second. Oh yeah. Can you see that? Um, Brilliant. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit untidy, um, but. Basically, I can I can choose a different that'll all roll down in a second. I can choose a different style of background. So if I'm having uh, so for me, this is actually really authentic. This background because it's my genuine yeah. background. Uh, I, yeah. I read a lot of books. I read books a lot. It's got my printer that you pr- actually it's slightly out of shot. I think um, so. It looks a little bit untidy. So basically, you can change your background to suit either the mood you want to set or the kind of audience that you've got. So we may as well stick yeah. with this one now. It looks a bit untidy. Um, Oh, one thing I did want to mention in that uh, regard also is if you are presenting seriously. So what I've been doing recently is a lot of keynotes for my clients. So effectively, they're having online conferences. So they're saying, we've got you know our, our 50 strong sales team. We're getting them together for a day. Could you do a, an online keynote for 40 minutes? Now, if I had this background at the moment, that would be really irritating for a 40-minute content-led presentation. So I'd, I'd bring in my plain background for that. Um, and I use Zoom a lot. So I use virtual backgrounds and I use some some words and some some visuals on that as well. So I need a plain background for that to work. Um, but the other thing is sound quality. And I, I use this. I haven't used this for our recording today. I use my AirPods. Um, this is a um, uh, a Rode microphone that's got a little headphone adapter at the end. So it plugs into any anything that's got a headphone socket and it gives you broadcast quality sound. And if you've got a uh, an important presentation, put it on, you know, somewhere up here on you and it almost sounds to other people like you're standing really near them and talking and reassuring lovely tones so it gives you a really good uh, microphone quality
0: brilliant amazing tips really really useful um got a good question here from someone here who spends more time behind a camera i've noticed a lot of people on camera getting confused between presenting and acting any advice or insights to help uh,
1: differentiate this that's that's a great question actually um Yeah. And it sort of comes back, I think, to my comments about the difference between style and substance Um, Mm. And by and large. um, Obviously, this isn't true for everybody, but by and large, the minute someone sort of starts acting or performing, they can often appear inauthentic. Um, It's it's why I don't recommend learning scripts um, because you you want to really be yourself. So I suppose my main bit of advice on that would be don't don't do it. Presenting (laughs) is not a performance right? Presenting is a form of communication. It's a form of affecting other human beings. Um, so it's, it's often not best viewed as a performance. You, 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 you've got this message and you want to get other people to change their way of thinking or change their way of behaving because of your message. Now, that, that way of behaving might be very, very simple. It might be that they ask you a question. It might be that they go away and recommend you to somebody else, or it might be really profound. You might be trying to get someone to really reevaluate how they're working at the moment or how they view where they are in life. But you always want to get a change in people. And you don't need to act to do that. And you don't even need to give a performance to do that. You just need to get that message into their heads.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Lee, I really, really enjoyed um, having you on the last hour. Some amazing insights. I think you certainly helped our community out massively. So really appreciate it. Um, If anyone here wants to learn more about you or get in touch, um, could we we see your book one more time? I'd love to share that book. Of
1: course, of course we can. Look at that. What a masterpiece. The busy person's (laughs) guide is great presenting. Yeah, genuinely award-winning. By the way, it was the highly commended finalist last year at the Business Book of the Year Awards. I was very, very pleased with that. Congratulations! Um, Yeah, thank you. I put on a bow tie for the ceremony and everything. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, um, look look for that book. Um, Any other way that anyone can get in contact with you? Can I tell everyone the story I told you earlier? Go on, then. Yeah. It was so funny. I don't mean I don't mean this for your audience. I did a, a sort of podcast thing of two and a half, three years ago, and um, and it wasn't my market. I just sort of did it because the, uh, the the person running it asked me if I'd do it. And at the end, he said, um, "How can people get in touch with you?" And uh, and I said, <laughs> "I was I was a bit flippant. I said, oh, actually, I wish they wouldn't.' I'm, honestly, I'm really busy at the moment, and, and I, I don't need loads of inquiries. Um, uh, if 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 if, any, if anybody does want to get in touch, you can you type Lee Warren Speaker into into the internet. You'll find me. Amazing." Lee, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to eftonext.com to apply to be a part of our online community.